0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Church is a community. It's all about community. Okay, church, it's a, it's a, a community that gathers to grow in their knowledge of God, and so Number one, that's why we're here, is to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of God. Uh, we're a community that gathers to grow in relationship with each other, because that's, uh, that's what is on God's heart for us. is not that we live in isolation, but that we live within community. And we're a community which gathers to partake in the spirit together so it's not just me who's dishing out but it's all of us who are dipping in and then sharing from the spirit that's why we we invite you to come and share words and we invite you to come and, and partake and to receive and to give in terms of words and, and ministry but then we're also a community which lives to reach uh, people for christ and so we're on a mission not just to build community but we're on a mission to Uh, reach people and build community. Father, I thank you that we have uh, the opportunity to get into the Word together, and I thank you that our hearts can just be so receptive to what your Spirit is wanting to say to us. We just uh, thank you for your love. We thank you for your ministry this evening through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you just to open up our eyes, open up our understanding, so that we may know what you are saying to us right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, how many of you believe that uh, 2022 is going to be a good year? Okay. How do you know? <laughs> you know, it does, it's, it, it's not necessarily going to be a good year. <laughs> I'm not a prophet of doom, but it's not necessarily going to be a good year, because for some reason, we, we tend to believe that years are going to be good just because it's a new year. You know, wow, it's, this is a new year. It's probably going to be good. But... Um, it's not like a new pair of shoes or something. You know, you, you probably realize that the 1st of December is the, looked the same as the 31st of... The 1st of January looked the, first, the same as the, the day before, the year before, the 31st of uh, December, right? And that's because uh, it was another day. You know, God doesn't have the same calendar we have. But uh, uh, we have got a new year with new opportunities. And this new year is what we're going to make of it, Okay. And that's what we're going to be talking a bit about this evening and you know, things are going to happen this year bum, bum, bum. challenges and trials will come but it's it's how we respond to them that's going to determine what the year is like for us you know the last two years or so with COVID and lockdown have been sometimes for some people the most challenging for some people uh, for, for all of us challenging and difficult but for some it was good out of it, and for some, it was bad. Out of it, and that is largely, not completely, but largely dependent on perspective and decisions. Okay, um, and I've seen many different circumstances, many different outcomes, but it all came down to how uh, people saw things, how they saw God, how they saw themselves, and the decisions that they made in those uh, situations. Okay, because we need to, as believers, get to the the, the The decision, make the decision and get to the bottom line of, I'm not going to allow anything except God's word to determine my life. So it's like the government might say something, people might say something, your health, your doctor might say something, but you're like, I'm going with what God's word says. And then that determines fruitfulness and success. The economy might be tough, right? You got sleeping because of the heat. The economy might be tough, but God is our provider okay God looks after us okay he he gives us wisdom he gives us creativity he gives us direction he's our shepherd he leads us to green pastures if you don't believe that it's not going to work for you okay when tragedy hits because it hits I know for some of you tragedies hit the last year okay and you know the story I shared it the last couple of weeks in um, of, of last year one of our pastor's sons was murdered tragedy hits and uh, it was amazing to see how, how, how she has overcome grief and has risen up above this and is leading his friends to the Lord and is reaching out in the community. See, it's, it's not what happens to us, it's how we respond to it that counts. Okay? It doesn't matter what comes our way, we can always triumph. We can always have peace. Think about Psalm 23. I like that song. I've been wanting to do it for ages. Uh, but, but Psalm 23... The Lord's my shepherd. And then it says, I probably got the wrong psalm now, but anyway, there's the psalm that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Okay, why? Because the circumstances are lovely. No, because you are with me. Okay, we're we're, we're not um, looking to circumstances to encourage us. We're encouraged by the fact that he is with us. Amen? So, you are what you allow yourself to be this year. <laughs> and your year is going to be largely determined on the decisions and, and, and choices that you make. Because here's the thing. God can't make you anything. God can't force you anything. The devil can't either. Okay? Uh, 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 even in Deuteronomy, it says, I place before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now you get to choose. And he even says, choose life that you may live. So it's our choice. Now, we can, we can let God... God has a plan for your life. Amen? God has a plan for your life. The devil has a plan for your life. The problem for a lot of us is that we're believing in the devil's plan more than we are in God's plan, and we're cooperating with the devil more than we are cooperating with God to see the one's plan come to fruition and not the other. So what we've got to do is stop cooperating with the wrong person <laughs> and the wrong plan and start cooperating with God and start to make good decisions with Him and see the, 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 the victory and see the freedom and all of those things that come with it. We've got to stop being overly concerned with what the enemy is doing and trying to do in our lives and focus on God because God has good plans for our lives. Okay? Okay. You know, Success and fruitfulness in the year ahead is is dependent upon how we respond to God, how we respond to the enemy when he comes knocking, the decisions that we make when opportunities come, because it's a new year, new challenges, new problems, new opportunities, new possibilities. It's not just destined for you to be have a great year and destined for you not to have a great year or something like that. You get to choose. Okay, because we all desire a good year. But it doesn't happen because it's a new year. It doesn't happen because God loves you. It doesn't happen because everything magically works out in the end. We have this mentality, it's often expressed through Hollywood, that everything works out in the end. You know, Disney loves to paint that picture of everything just works out in the end. They lived happily ever after. For some people, it doesn't work out like that. Some people, it's like a, a huge tragedy that just like uh, marks the rest of their, 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 their family line even. I mean, you think about um, uh, uh, the, only, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, tragedy that happened in Stellenbosch where, you know, the guy killed his family with the ax. And that's something that can mark your family for, for generations to come, you know, if you're a survivor. And only through grace and through relationship with God can you overcome something like that. And the truth is, you can overcome something like that. You know, too many people say things, I love, I love it, I, I hear this every year. Last year was so challenging and so difficult, I hope this one will be better. And then they do nothing to try and make it better. And then the next year they say, last year was so difficult, I hope this one will be better. And then nothing changes, and then the next year they say, last year was so difficult, hopefully this one will be better. Or here's another one, let's see what the new year brings. I hope this year is going to bring success for me. Let's see what the, the new year is not going to bring you diddly squats. The new year can't bring you anything. The new year is forget about it being a new year and you just take the bull by the horns and go for it and make good decisions. Walk with God. Okay? It really doesn't matter if there's going to be another wave or another lockdown or a I don't know what. It doesn't matter. Because you can still succeed in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Okay? Some things are beyond our control. Some things are beyond our control. So I'm not saying you can create the perfect environment for the rest of your life. You might, if the economy crashes, you might never see money again. But God doesn't promise to give you money. He promises to look after you. (laughs) Okay, you don't need money to be looked after. There's a wrinkle for, for some people in their brain. Because we all think that we need to chase after money, but if the economy crashes and you don't have money, then what? Then you've got to trust God. Like, okay, God, how do I do this gardening thing? <laughs> you know, you've you got to start to think out of the box because the money's not going to help you. I mean, think about it. You, you, you laugh at it and you think that's impossible. But at a time, they were carrying notes in wheelbarrows in Zimbabwe to go and buy a loaf of bread. Notes in wheelbarrows to do grocery shopping because inflation had skyrocketed i think it's 150 times above and, and 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 everything just went haywire and you know what i know people who prospered in the middle of that <laughs> our sister church pastor isaac bought a house during that time not because of ministry he's a an engineer in uh, um the their equivalent of escom but just because the, the, the things went haywire and he saw an opportunity and so, you know, he, he managed to work it out. There's always opportunity. There was another a guy there who had a business opportunity. He took it and he made some, some, some big cash, you know. So there's always opportunities in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of things. It's, we cannot control our circumstances, but you know, we can just keep focused on the fact that God's with us and make decisions accordingly. And uh, things won't necessarily work out the way we want them to, but they will work out. So, you know, we're often uh, 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 aiming for success, but we've got to figure out what is success. We've got to know what is is it that we're aiming for. And, you know, one of the things that that is, I think we all agree with it, but we don't necessarily realize it, is that the world defines success one way, and God looks at it completely different. So we've got to, we're going to look at that in a moment. But first, I want you to kind of just see that it's got a lot to do with perspective, firstly. Okay? The, the, um, uh, uh, this man had two sons. Okay? And, and he, he, um, he told them, I've got a, a gift for you, and it's in that room. Okay? And... Um, they go into the room, both separate rooms. Walk in, open the door. Both rooms, just a, a whole bunch of horse manure. You know what horse manure is? Okay, horse poop. And so this room is just to the to the roof with just like horse horse manure. The one son shuts the door. He's upset because he was hoping for a bicycle. The other son goes in and he starts digging because he's like, there has to be a horse here somewhere. See, I don't know if there was a horse there, but the point is, is that the one is optimistic, the one is pessimistic. Which one should we be? It's good that you were quiet except for you. (laughs) Because we should be more biblical. Christianity isn't optimistic. Optimism is sometimes just fluff. It's all going to work out. I'm just going to be positive because I'm a positive person. That's rubbish. Christianity isn't optimistic. It's, it's, um, it's biblical. We, we have faith in the promise of God. We have faith in God. We know that he's never going to leave us. We know he's never going to forsake us. That's why we can be positive based on faith. Okay, so I'm not an optimistic person. I'm a Christian. And you should sometimes act like it too. <laughs> Amen? So, you know, we, we look at um, success in the worldly sense of strong career, strong financial, um, what do you call it, security. Uh, you got your, your retirement annuity, you got your investment portfolio. We got all of these things in place, and that would be successful. You own a house, a dog, and a car, and now you're good to go. Okay, but if we look at the word, you know what I see as success? God defines success as fruitfulness. And fruitfulness is something different. Okay, so do you have the slides there? Great. We're going to look at John 15 there. But John 15, the the whole passage there really shows us that God's desire for us is fruitfulness. Okay, and uh, we shouldn't confuse success in the world sense with God's idea of fruitfulness. John 15, verse 8, firstly from the King James, says, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you uh, be my disciples. That's God's desire and heart for us, that we bear much fruit, fruitfulness. The Passion uh, puts it like this and says, When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Okay. What, What I like about that is it's showing that fruitfulness is the result of maturity. So, if you're wanting to have fruitfulness in your life this year, whatever that looks like, then you're going to have to mature. So, it's actually an issue of growing up in faith, growing up in the kingdom. Okay? And the awesome thing with fruitfulness, you cannot force yourself to be fruitful. Fruit, fruit is a natural byproduct, period. Fruitfulness is a natural byproduct. It's not an attained goal because you work hard. It's not wrong to have goals. But with regards to fruitfulness, you can't aim to be fruitful without focusing on more important things than just being mature. Because there's a whole lot of steps that need to happen for you to get there. Okay? God wants your your business to prosper. He wants your family to do well. He wants you to be looked after, all of those things. But here's the thing. God is more interested in your fruitfulness than your finances. I'm going to say it again. Because most of us want to hear the finances part. But God is more interested in your fruitfulness than your finances. And there, straight away, I've divided the two. And I've said they're not the same thing. And yet, most people's goals or New Year's resolutions will involve finances. But they won't involve maturity. If we're wanting to have a fruitful year, we've got to aim for maturity, not finances. Okay? And finances is important. We'll talk about it in a moment. But God is less interested in your career than you think he is. Amen. God is less interested in your accomplishments with your career and your studies. He's not disinterested, I'm just saying he's less interested than you think, because he's more interested in your character, and he's more interested in your fruitfulness. And character and fruitfulness can be expressed by someone who works at McDonald's. Sometimes more so than a CEO of a big fortune 500 company. And yet we value the CEO more than we do the person working at McDonald's. And yet sometimes the person who's cleaning your house is more godly than the person who's sitting in a boardroom and says in the name of Jesus even. Just because they're a Christian businessman doesn't mean they're godly. It's just a title sometimes. That went over well. What is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is about eternity. But it does have a temporal impact. Temporal in the sense of this life. We've got to put things into perspective and into balance and realize that this life is temporary. But we've got eternity living inside of us. And we're living for eternity. So here's a test, okay? Just to to check you're awake and you're alive. You've got a a, a grape or a vineyard. And uh, I'm not talking about wine now. I'm talking about grapes and vineyard. But what does it produce if you if you take a grape seed and you plant it, a vineyard, right? We're on the same same uh, 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 um, uh, train here together. We're on the same pass, uh, train of thought. Everything produces after its own kind. What does a sheep produce? Sheep. Well done. Okay. So you know <laughs> we're likened to branches on the vine in John 15. So what does that mean? We should be producing. More branches, more fruit, okay? If you take it to sheep, it's a bit easier. We're like sheep, according to John 10. And so what should we be producing? Sheep. So one of the areas of fruitfulness is a believer will produce a believer. It's evangelism. It's discipleship. This is one of the areas of fruitfulness that we should be having in our lives. And we're all at varying stages, so no pressure. We are where we are, and we've got to grow out of that, okay? My um, eight-year-old can't cut the grass yet. One day. I'm joking. The point is is that I'm not expecting my child to do what an adult can do. I'm not expecting him to make supper for us. Definitely not. Not yet. Yeah, He can help, but he can't do it by himself just yet. Same thing with you. God's not expecting you to do what you can't do, and you just need all he wants for you is to mature. And as you mature, you have an opportunity to live out that maturity. Okay, it's called then responsibility. But we're talking about basically evangelism and discipleship. Only mature, healthy believers would be doing this, evangelism and discipleship. That's part of fruitfulness. Is Imparting into another believer so that they, or an unbeliever, so that they can grow and mature and become like Jesus and like you because you're like Jesus. Okay, let's back it up a bit because that maybe was a bit uh, much to digest. But Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, But you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Okay. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is saying, if you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit. If you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit. Okay, If you are a believer in Christ, Jesus lives in you. That's what this is saying. Now, Galatians 5, 22 to 23 the fruit of the Spirit, the natural byproduct of the Spirit in you is Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What this is showing us is that uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is a natural byproduct. It's not something to aim for. It's something that is expressed because of maturity. The more you grow in your relationship with Christ, the more loving you're going to be. So, it goes to figure, and this is obviously all the people who didn't come, that the, the the people who love the least are the more immature ones. The people who have less patience are the more immature ones. But the truth is, is that you've got the fruit, the spirit. So you, that means you've got the fruit. It's just in seed form, and you need to focus in on the fact that you've got it and it helps mature it and express it then. So it's not pressure to perform. It's not pressure to produce. It's not at all. It's a byproduct of your relationship with God to be more loving, to be kind, to be patient, to have self-control. If you are ever in that place of, I just lost my temper, I don't have any self-control, if I just quoted you, then all you've got to do is start awakening to the reality of who you are in Christ. Because you don't know who you are in Christ. You might say, well, I do know who I am in Christ. I read it out every day. I've got the thing on my wall. But you don't believe it. So stop reading it and start believing it. Okay? All we need to do to to mature is discover more and more about who we are in Christ, who He is in us, and then it starts to transform our lives. You've got two primary streams of, of, of um focus in christianity in this regard okay for change okay people want change in their lives and so you've got some people who are seeking miracles which is not wrong it's not wrong at all we, we believe in the supernatural we believe in miracles but then you've got some people who are seeking transformation transformation is sustainable you can experience a miracle right now and without the understanding, because it hasn't been a discipleship in your life, hasn't been discipled into you, you can lose it. But transformation takes time. It's called discipleship. It's a process. So let, let's shift gears and, and ask, what's your focus? What are you aiming at? Because now, with regard to goals and with regard to moving forward in in uh, fruitfulness in this year, the only way we can be fruitful, the only way we can be successful, is if we know where we're going, right? We got to know where we're going. We got to know what the win is. And um, God God shows us in His Word what that is. Obviously, it's fruitfulness. But how do we get there? Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm going to bring this up again later, but basically what it's saying is first things first. We've all got desires for this year. We've all got dreams to accomplish not just this year, but for our lives. If you don't, hang around. <laughs> Let someone rub off on you and start to, to have some, some kind of um, desire for life. But God's got something for you. You, you have desires, and, and this is showing us that things start to work out and things start to go in the right direction when we prioritize him. You know, what are we valuing? What are we prioritizing? Because it's reflecting in our schedules with how we spend our time, and it's reflecting in our budgets and how we spend our money. And so, you know, uh, 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 how do you know if someone prioritizes you? Ladies, <laughs> they give you time, they give you money, or they, give you, they use their money on you. you know, that, That's an expression of the heart. If they've got money, then they've got time, and they should be giving you more time. But it's like the other way around as well. It's like you know if people value you if they're spending their two greatest resources on you, time and money. Okay? The same thing with, with, with the kingdom. How do we prioritize God? It's not just, a, I do value God. I've got the label of a Christian. It's like, well, show us. Your faith without works is dead. So put your faith into action and prioritize God by spending time with Him. By, by once you, know, you might be like, well, I don't know what to do when I'm sitting with my Bible. Well, come to church more regularly. And then... It helps you. Or, you know, come to Bible study and it'll help you grow. Like, those are ways that we can prioritize the kingdom. And then obviously there's the giving to be able to help further the gospel. So those are two of the, of the ways that we can prioritize and seek first the kingdom. But we're looking at what is our focus. It's talk, first of all, we're looking at priority. Secondly, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, Therefore, we also, since we... Uh, Are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Question I want to ask based on this is where are you heading? Where are you heading? What's the dream that you're pursuing? Okay? Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit. So if you're used to that kind of conversation about dream big and all of that, then this is for you. Because some Christians are so consumed with dreaming big that they started to be carnal. Okay? Actually, no longer acting spiritual. I want to say, I almost put it in my notes, so I'll say what I nearly said and then I didn't say it because it's not in my notes, okay? And that is sometimes we're dreaming bigger than God. But, you know, because we're excluding God from the plan and then we're like, in the name of Jesus, amen. God, please bless this plan. You know, he's like, I can't think of a good example right now, but it's like, He's called you and gifted you or whatever, and you know this is what you're supposed to do, and you're thinking ten times bigger. The thing we've got to realize is size doesn't equate with significance. Ask the short people in the room. It's true, right? I'm not one of them. But size doesn't equate with significance. Short people are significant too. Don't look down on them. (laughs) You can't help but look down on them (laughs) anyway we mustn't try and sanitize our plans by saying god bless it We, we we must ask god what's the plan you know what we do in this life echoes through eternity maximus from gladiator what and it's true what we do in this life echoes through eternity We're not just living for a paycheck, and we're not just living for retirement, uh, annuities, and things like that. We're living for eternity, and so we've got to think like that. Retirement annuities, important. Those things are important, but what I'm saying to you is there's something more important. Okay? We all have the race to run, according to this verse. And although we have different lanes according to gifting, according to maturity, stick to your lane is an important thing you've got to know. Stick to your lane. Know what you're good at, know what you're not, and don't get involved in what you're not good at. The best example I have of that is Idol's wooden mic. Or what's the other one? Britain's Got Talent. When some people are just like, they're going to make it. They're the next Mariah Carey or whatever they think. And then they get up there and they're like, um, what's his name? Simon Cowell will be like, who told you (laughs) to come here today? And I remember this one guy, he's like, yo, the guys at the office, they said that I should try out. And he's like, man, they're (laughs) they're, they're messing with you. You need to go back. Those guys aren't your friends. Because uh, they should have told you, you can't sing. There's some things you shouldn't do. Like we all have to work with money, but I'm not the church accountant. I spend the money. (laughs) Because I'm good at that. But, you know, books and stuff, we get people to do that. There's things that you're good at, there's things that you're not. One of the keys to fruitfulness is, like in in, in work and whatever, is just knowing what you're good at, right? But look at this. It's, this It's very important how we run. Because like it says in Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says that how we run can, if we run badly, we can get disqualified in normal athletics, right? So there's certain rules that you've got to compete up. It's the same thing with the race of life. Certain things that you can do can derail you. Like many pastors, many people in ministry, uh, uh, what's it? Um, uh, Because of, it's not fraud, money money problems and uh, 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 sex problems and all sorts of things like that, they no longer have a pulpit ministry, they have a prison ministry. You know, so, so it shifted gears, and now they're not standing in a church or a ministry or whatever. they got one, but it's, it's, it's in prison. It's not the good kind of prison ministry, because like Paul had, you know, it, it, it's the kind where they, they need to start teaching grace more because they need to experience that. So how we run is important, but keeping our eyes on the prize is even more important. This verse shows us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. That's the most important thing that we need to remember this year and that we need to remember for fruitfulness and success is to keep looking unto Jesus. He's the audience that we're running for. You have an audience besides him. Spouses, parents, in-laws, outlaws, whoever, friends, people who think they have an opinion better than God of what you should do what you shouldn't do, how you should do it, you know, all of those kind of things. You, there's people like that in your life, right? The crowd will be shouting at you, cheering, and trying to steer you too. So they're cheering and they're steering. But in that all, you need to keep running and keep focused on Jesus. Live for the audience of one, not for the audience of many, because then you're going to fail if you keep listening to everybody else. You've got to listen to what God is saying, how God is leading you, and there's wisdom in the counsel of many, and you need to seek out wisdom from pastors, then we're here and pray with you and whatever. There's wisdom in how we approach things, but some people are just constantly going from opinion to opinion, and they don't even know what they should be doing. That's not how we are to live. Okay? Where is your value? Now, if you, if you find your value, I love that song that we did, um, What is Accepted? Because it's, it, it, it's showing us where our value is. It's showing us what we should be focused on. I'm accepted. Why? Because God accepts me. Does it have to be more reason? Is it because I'm, I'm a successful, what, what, whatever you are? You know, it, it's not. I, I, I'm valued and I'm, because I'm accepted by the Father. Okay, so if we find our value in what we do and in what we earn, then you're not going to be fruitful or successful according to God's economy. Period. You, know, you might have loads of money, but you won't have loads of fruit. Fruit and money is not the same thing. Money can burn, fruit can't. Try and burn some patience. Try and burn some self control. Rather go burn calories. <laughs> you know, we need money to live, we create it to work. I'm sorry to, to be the one to tell you that in the beginning of a new year. God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden to look after the garden, to tend the garden. So, gardening is godly. (laughs) Work is godly. Okay, stop looking at work as something evil. Work is good. Okay, God wants to provide for us through the work of our hands. So we put our hands to something. The Scripture says He blesses the work of our hands. We do something, and, 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 and there's a blessing that flows there. Okay. We need money to live. We can't just sit and wait for God to drop it out of heaven. But we trust God with our efforts. We trust God with our time. We trust God with all of these things, with opportunities. We trust God. You know, there's supernatural provision, definitely. But what I'm saying is, is we shouldn't be just waiting at home for it. We should be going out and looking for it, because God's put it out there for us. Waited, it's waiting for us. But our aim and our focus should not be on career and making money. I know uh, 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 whenever I've said that in the past, it always upsets someone. Because the thing is, and this is the first time i try to figure out, how can you, how can I package that phrase so that it's more palatable for you? So now i've said you i've given you the unpalatable one (laughs) which is our aim and focus is not on career and making money but here's the thing that makes it palatable that is a means to an end what you do is not who you are and what you do is just a means to an end what is the end well god wants you to look after yourself and your family that's the first thing why we work and why we have finances second thing Expansion of his kingdom. Be a blessing to people, the best way that we can, which is through the, the gospel. Matthew chapter three, verse sixteen to seventeen. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning, alighting upon him. Suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What I like about this is that this was before Jesus fed the 5,000, before he fed the, the multitude, before he performed a miracle, before he preached to masses, before he did anything. He didn't, there's no record of him healing anyone. There was no record of him casting out any demons. No record of nothing. <laughs> okay? And God... This booming voice comes and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father expressed his delight in his son without his son having done anything. Many of us are trying to get acceptance from earthly fathers, from other people in this life, and from God the Father by what we do. We'll do something. We're like, okay, God, do you like me now? God, I put out the chairs for church. Do you like me now? (laughs) You know, or maybe you're you're, you're past that. You know God accepts you, but did you see me put out the chairs, pastor? (laughs) Some people are like that. They're constantly working for the acceptance and approval of others. That's a recipe for disaster. You're not going to be successful in life. You're not going to be fruitful. Other people will be because of you. If you're seeking approval from other people and you're living for their, their praise, then that, you might help them become successful and then be fruitful, but you yourself will probably not be. You know, Jesus got his affirmation and value from his Father, not from his ministry. Jesus got his affirmation and his value from what his Father said about him, not from what he did. Okay. doesn't matter how much money you have, you might still not value yourself if you were a billionaire. We must never find our value in what we do or what we have, but in our Father's eyes. So what's the goal? It's to start living in the fullness of our true identity, which is in Christ. Our goal is what brings us true satisfaction and fulfillment. You know, I know many people with lots of money, no satisfaction, no fulfillment. And I know people with very little to nothing, and they have much satisfaction and much fulfillment. It's not about what you have. It's about what you believe. About yourself, about God, and about your life. So let's look at a couple of things for positioning ourselves for fruitfulness. Because the thing is, our decisions in life, both the short-term decisions, or the the, the decisions which influence short-term and the decisions which influence long-term, must reflect our high calling as believers, okay? We mustn't just be thinking about, how much am I going to get paid? You know, we should pray about things, Lord, this this looks like a wiser decision, and then you pray about it, and and God's giving you maybe another opportunity, you take that rather, because He knows maybe that company is closing down. Or whatever you know it's like walk with god he's your shepherd he wants to lead you we've got such a golden opportunity to walk with god i mean he's always going with you anyway so you may as well include him he said i'd never leave you nor forsake you so it's like you you're going into that boardroom you're going into those places that you have to make decisions and he's there but often we're just not interested in what he has to say you know character and integrity are more important than becoming rich. Often, if our focus is, I want to become rich, then we'll easily use people to get there when people are the greatest commodity in the world. People are the greatest commodity in the kingdom. There would be no kingdom. There would be no world without people. Okay, Animals are important too, (laughs) but the animals were created for us. Okay, how do we know that? Well, if you look at the order of creation, man was lost. And then God gave the privilege to us to name the animals even. The animal didn't name you. So, we've got to focus on relationship with God, relationship with others, above, above self-centeredness. You know... Self-sensoredness is expressed in many different ways. One of the ways it's often expressed, and I only realized this while I was preparing, but one of the ways that self-sensoredness is often expressed is in overworking. Because, you, you know, if you've got a family and you're working hard, that's a different story. But sometimes we just don't want to spend time with people, and so we overwork because we'd rather try and have more. Then actually give more love. The best story I could ever give on this is we were somewhere once, Marne and I, and uh, we were on holiday. It was the first holiday we ever went on after getting married after our honeymoon and after starting the church. Someone came to church and they said, here's an envelope, here's a voucher to go to such and such a place we want to send you. we were like, great. They never came back to church again, but we appreciated it, you know, and we went and there was this other couple who seemed like they wanted to talk. (laughs) at the hotel. Uh, um, And we didn't want to. We wanted to just enjoy our holiday. And so then they invited us to come and sit with them and have dinner. And they were like, we'll pay for it and whatever. And we're like, everything's paid for. So we went and sat with them and we had uh, dinner. And uh, what was really nice of the hotel was they gave us the money, the cash. (laughs) So we had petrol money to get home, actually. So it worked out nicely. But here's the thing. This was 2011. And so this is what happened. We, um, uh, we sat with them and we're talking. And this guy's like, you "No, know, I've come down from Johannesburg, or not from Johannesburg, from a small town where um, uh, uh, I have such and such a business. And, you know, I realized someone might know them. That's why I'm doing such and such and this and that. But it's like, you know, he, he, and he's saying um, he came down to, to test drive a Harley and decide which Harley he wants, Harley Davidson. And he's like, you know, I've worked hard in my life. My, my, my company is open seven days a week, in the mor- six days a week. We closed on Sundays. He said, on every day of the week, I wake up early. I leave before my daughters, and my, my, my wife was even up, and I'd give them a kiss, and I'd go to the office. Then I'd come home, Mondays to Saturdays, when they were ready in bed, and I'd kiss them, and I'd go to bed. And then Sundays, we would just spend the, the day together. He did, I know he didn't have to work that hard. And then he said, you know, I didn't really have a relationship with my family. But at least I could buy them each a house when they got married. And at least I could furnish the house and buy them a car. And we were going afterwards, we we looked at each other and we're like, we would have rather had a relationship. Maybe not with this guy. But (laughs) you know, because his values are wrong. But the point is, is like we we often value things like that, whereas, you know, sometimes actually relate, well, always relationship is more important. So Matthew Here's a couple of goals for fruitfulness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Prioritize God and his kingdom. You figure out how. You figure it out. Don't seek to establish your own righteousness, but rest in his. Here's the other key for success. We're trying to be righteous and be accepted and blessed by God by what we do. By not sinning. By fasting, or by being successful and making lots of money, God, or by giving a lot. Keep giving a lot. But God's not going to like you more. I will. <laughs> you know, and so it's a case of, you know, you're establishing your own righteousness when he makes you righteous because of your faith and what he's done for you. Okay, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. Afterward, Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to himself the men he wanted to to be his close companions. So they went up the mountainside to join him. He appointed the 12 whom he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends. And so he could uh, send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Here's the point. Relationship with God before calling and vocation. Relationship with God before calling and vocation. You know, your connection and your intimacy, your friendship, your companionship with, with him is more important than how many demons you can cast out. And yet there's people in ministry who are more in, interested in healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, but that, you, know, you, you need relationship with God to do that, but they're not enjoying that close communion more than they are enjoying kapow, <laughs> you know, come out whatever. Because there's, a, there's an ego associated with that. And there's a hype that, that, we, that you can easily feed off of. I've cast out demons, I've healed sick, I have raised the dead, I've tried. But the point is, there's, there's a lot that you can feed off with all of that. When we should be feeding off of our relationship with God. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and, uh, and 20. So I've skipped a couple verses there. You can go read it. It's not contrary to what I'm saying. Says when the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Then Jesus says a few things and he finishes off by saying, Your real source of joy isn't merely that the spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. Relationship with God, knowing Him, is much more important than what you do, even the good things, okay? So, so far, uh, some some, uh, 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 keys for fruitfulness. Prioritize God's kingdom, prioritize God and His kingdom. Don't seek to establish your own righteousness, but rest in His, and then focus on relationship with God before your calling and your vocation, before what you do. Then the next thing would be this, Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 23 to 25, so now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others, not yourself, but to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day, the end dawning. So this is showing us that another key for fruitfulness in your, this year and in your life is partaking in community. I am not saying church attendance. You can come to church and not be a Christian and go out there and live like you're not a Christian because you're not one, or you can come here and be a Christian and still live out there like you're not a Christian. When I'm talking about what this verse is talking about, and what I'm talking about is partaking in community where we're part of each other's life to a degree where we're uh, um, encouraging one another. This didn't say so that the pastor can encourage you. I hope I'm encouraging. Etienne wants to be encouraging. We want to bless you. We want to minister to you. But we should be ministering to each other. The body ministers to itself when it's sick, your physical body. It doesn't always need some external help. Sometimes it does. But the church should minister to each other. And so the encouragement here and the key for success is to partake in community. What does that mean? Seek to how can I encourage others? Don't be so self-centered that it's always about your encouragement and how you can be blessed. But see, how can I be a blessing to someone in church? Oh, you know, I, I know people who will go to one of the campuses regularly uh, that, that are part of a, a certain campuses like Stellenbosch or Joburg or wherever, and they go to church and whenever there's someone new, they'll, they'll try and go out for, for lunch with them afterwards. They'll seek to kind of connect with them for coffee or something. Because they don't go to church for themselves, They go to they go to church wanting to be a blessing. So partaking in community. Mark chapter 4, verse 14, and then verse 20 It says, The sower sows the word, but these are the, the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruits, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. We're wanting to bear fruit this year and in our lives. You want to bear fruit. We want fruitfulness. It only comes through the word. That's one of the ways that we, 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 we cannot be fruitful without the Word. So we need to be receiving the Word. We need to be meditating on the Word. We need to be full of the Word. When someone comes and pushes your button, words should come out. <laughs> Sometimes other choice words come out. You know, we, we should be so full of the Word that in, in the moment of tragedy, in the moment something goes wrong, it's like, you know, we, we automatically say something I mean that, that that happened to me I can't remember where we were going I, I was driving to Somerset West to go and do some grief counseling there and uh, uh, we're on our way and we, we, we're running late we've got to get petrol I've just left my my driver's license at home because it's I've got a temporary one so now I've got to carry this big paper around and you know, so now I have to go back and fetch this and then you know so it's like all those things happen and it's Friday afternoon so there's traffic everywhere and, you know, I'm taking it easy, and I'm at the stop street to turn right, or the traffic light to turn right, and uh, uh, it's obviously you're waiting for the traffic before you can turn, and there's this guy trying to cross the road, and I'm waiting so he can cross because he's going to cross, and uh, uh, this traffic over here is green, and they don't see that there's someone wanting to cross, and so this guy decides to run across the road and gets knocked, you know, gets completely knocked, and so he's like, does a tumble and whatever, And so then I put the handbrake up and the hazards on and I jump out and, you know, he's on the floor. But you can see he's fine because he's moving around a bit. So it wasn't too much of a hard hit. The guy wasn't going very fast, probably 60 or so. But I put my hand on him straight and I was like, in the name of Jesus, nothing broken, everything whole. I release life and healing into your body. In the name of... By the time I finished the prayer, the police were there. It was a quick one. And I was like, well, now I don't have time to do a statement, so I'm going. (laughs) So then I went. There was other people who could give a statement. I had to go on Kingdom Business. So, point is we should be full of the Word. And how do you get full of the Word? It's not through watching series. How do we get full of the Word? It's not by listening to worship music. Sometimes you don't get good Word there. It's by actually getting into the Word, by listening to good teaching. Last verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. So this is a key for fruitfulness and success, which many people overlook. And that is Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There's so much we can say on that. And we're going to talk about him the whole term. Theory. <laughs> All the greatest life campuses, that's our focus for the next term. Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit empowers us. But you can see, I, I, I for a long time thought the Holy Spirit is for my goosebumps in the service. It's for me to feel good and to experience that whatever, you know, that moment. And I remember being at a leadership uh, um, seminar thing and this... Um, a pastor was here from the States, and he was sharing those 5,000, 10,000 people there. And he was sharing, and he said, he read this verse, and he said, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not your goosebumps. And I was like, I've never thought of that before. <laughs> you know, but the purpose of the Holy Spirit is, purpose, uh, is power for a purpose. Is power for uh, impacting the world for making a difference. Every single one of us, no matter how pathetic you think you are, we are called to make an impact in this life and in this world. Not a big impact necessarily, but a significant one. Every time you think, well, what I'm doing isn't big enough. Just think of the short people. Don't look down at them, but just, just be like, wow, If they're significant, then the little thing that I'm doing is significant. Imagine if nobody put your chair out tonight. Imagine if if whoever sweeps up here and whatever, like they didn't do that. One of us would have had to do that. We're thankful that someone else did it. And that was a significant job. Just because they sweep the floor doesn't make them um, uh, insignificant. How many of you like your baby toe if you've still got it? Yeah? Yeah? How many of you thought of uh, 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 your liver today? Some of you might have. <laughs> but it's like, we appreciate the parts we can't see, but we don't always express our appreciation. Yeah. We, we've got to see success and fruitfulness different and realize that there's certain things that we need to position in our uh, prioritize, uh, priorities to be able to experience fruitfulness. So just go running through them again quickly here. Firstly, obviously, it's prioritizing God and His kingdom. So in making decisions and in budgeting our time and our finances, it's God and His kingdom. It's not seeking our own righteousness, but His. It's focusing on that friendship, that relationship, that friendship with Him more than on what we're doing. It's a partaking in community. No one can be a fruitful Christian apart from Christian community. No one can be a mature Christian apart from Christian community. And I'm not talking about church attendance, again. And then we need to be full of the Word. So we need to keep receiving the Word and we need to be full of the Spirit. And we need to be allowing the empowering of the Spirit in our lives to be able to live on purpose and for His purpose. Amen. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Gracelife Rondebosch by email at info at or check us out on our Facebook page, Gracelife Rondebosch.